Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you designed the family. You designed it perfectly. Man certainly has messed it up pretty good, but you designed it well. And you designed them male and female. You exalted yourself through the creation of man and woman. But you uniquely endowed them each in their own way, special ways to bring you glory. One of them is being a mom. And we're thankful for that. Thankful for our moms who loved us, uh, who cared for us. We're thankful, in least case, that they birthed us and brought us into this world. And so, Lord, I ask that today as we study what the Bible teaches about women and mothers, that you would give us clear minds and hearts to understand, to want to know and to hold on to and continue what God set forth, Lord. Give us strength as the world is going in a different direction completely, Lord. May we hold to what glorifies and magnifies you most. Thank you for this day. Be with those who could not be here, and there's some even have lost their mothers just recently, Lord. And I know those are heavy, heavy times. Give them special grace today. Others have lost wives that mothered their children. Lord, be with them. There's other women in here, Lord, who long to have children and yet have not been able to. There's foster moms and foster kids. And and Lord, I pray that your word of God would hit us all. Because it can do that. I can't, Lord, but your word can. Be with those who are healing from surgeries, those still in the hospital, even now that are suffering. Lord, please be kind and merciful and, and meet their needs. Lord, help them to trust you more and more each and every day. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for loving us perfectly. When we fail, you do not. And so we praise you for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, by was right, I brought him up here for a reason. Uh, man, uh, I was talking with Bai and Harriet not too long ago. And by the way, Bai's one of our deacons and has served faithfully uh, in so many ways. Even on sa- Saturday mornings, a lot of times I'm in here studying, I poke my head in, and there's a whole ministry of setting this place up for y'all on Sunday mornings. And Bai and Harriet are here every Saturday morning helping to arrange all this. And so they just serve, and they're such a delight to spend time with. And, you know, they're coming on their 65th anniversary. 65 years of loving uh, a man loving a woman and a woman loving a man. Um, that's amazing. And especially in today's culture, and even in the church culture today, that is uh, something to be noted And it reminds us that God loves marriage. He loves biblical marriage. He instituted it. He brought it in. And so he loves it. Did I just lose some notes? (laughs) My wind's up here blowing. Um, And so this is is God's things. This is what God has designed. And marriage is designed by God. And it's designed particularly, when you think about it, to reflect his glory. That's why God set it forth. That's why he set it between a man and a woman. And particularly so that it would display the gospel of God. And the gospel of God is that Jesus Christ came to this world to suffer and die for us. And we, his church, his bride, would bend our knees to his ways and not ours. And we would come through him alone for salvation. 
And so marriage is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful teaching within the scriptures. But it is under attack. And it's going to be under attack. Reading some of those who oppose biblical marriage, one woman, her name is Robin Morgan, she wrote the book Sisterhood is Powerful. She said this, we cannot destroy the inequities or injustices between men and women until we destroy marriage. This is the goal. They, they see this as a, a problem, and we're the problem because we believe that God has set roles for men and women. But God created men and women equal, but different. Isn't that amazing? He does not look at men greater than women. He, he made us equal. And yet, in his sovereign, infinite wisdom, made us unique and different in those roles. And when you think about that, he did that to bring about his glory in unique ways. Women, you bring glory to God in a unique way. He designed it that way. And when we turn against those things, great difficulties come. God also created men and women to display those things. Femininity is, is unique to women. It's, it's something that shows a particular characteristic of God. And we'll look at those things today. I recently read an article this week. A dear brother sent me this gal by Sheila Jeffries. She is doing a study on the problem with the transgender movement. That's what started it. She wrote it's called Gender Hurts. And, and it's not so much an article fighting against transgenderism, but trying to understand what the motive is. And here's what she wrote. Radical feminist theorists do not seek to make gender a bit more flexible, but to eliminate it. This is at the end of a very long study. They are gender abolitionists. They want to abolish these things and understand gender to provide the framework and rationale for male dominance. And in radical female approach, masculinity is the behavior of a male ruling class and femininity is the behavior of the subordinate class of women. Then she says this, thus the, the goal is that genders can have no place in the egalitarian future of feminist world. And so the goal is not just dealing with Jill who wants to be John or so much like that. It's to neutralize it. And, and, and brothers and sisters, when you think about this, and it's very hard for people who don't agree with this, but as you study your Bible, you realize this attack is not so much on you personally. It is against God. It is against the God who laid it down in the very first beginning words that he gives to man, that he would create them male and female, that he would put together, and his own son would say later, as he quoted his father's words in Matthew 19, let no man mess with this. And yet, it is something that is constantly under attack. An older theologian many years ago wrote a book, a very large book, it's worth reading, called The Long War Against God. And he starts with these principles, the rejection of a God who creates and sustains and holds together versus evolutionism and so forth. A God who set marriage and gender roles in place and, and yet a world that constantly pushes and, and tears against what God has set up for the family. 
You say, well, yeah, was, you know, Scott, that's in the world. Well, there's a website called Christian Feminism Today. And on it, it is, it's very difficult to read, but there's this war against uh, the, the conservative church, those who would hold to word-by-word instruction that God is never to be looked at in gender. And so there's a rejection of him being a father figure. There's a rejection of him being called in any way that's male. In fact, the whole article talks about that God should be called she. They actually flip it around. And and then she concludes with this statement. She says, through this inclusive worship, we spread the good news. Now, what's the good news to us? The gospel isn't Jesus Christ. But she says, the good news of liberation and abundant life for all. So there's a twisting in terms of all of that. And so with all of this said, my, my goal is to show clearly and biblically that God has a role for us. And particularly on Mother's Day, as we think about biblical womanhood and biblical motherhood today, oh, what a tremendous role you have to show what God has laid down from the beginning. So my goal is to encourage you today that God wants to use you, ladies, and it's never too late. Never. All of us have failed and sinned and gone through struggles in our life, but it's never, never too late to turn and exalt the Lord through the role that God has given you. So let me give you a couple of thoughts through these passages that, that our brother Bai read to us. Number one, biblical womanhood reflects the character of God. Well, this takes us back to the beginning of the Bible, doesn't it? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And biblical womanhood reflects the character of God, and we see that even in the opening words of the Scriptures. The very first words given to us to know who God is, what God is like, what God does, what God believes, and what God wants us to do. We find these truths right away. The Bible says in verse 26, then God said, let us, you see the plurality of God, the Trinity, Trinity at work here, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the seas and the bird of the skies and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Notice this very clearly. Male and female, he created them. Extremely clear on the distinction of the roles. As we get into this, we kind of see this is the climax of the creation story, right? God has spoken into existence the heavens and the earth by his power. He speaks forth and creation happens. He's created light and separated the darkness from it. Just get your mind around that for a moment. He separates the waters from above the earth and below the earth. He makes dry land and oceans. He he hung the moon and the stars. And by the way, he knows them by name, the Bible says. He fills the sea with fish and and, uh, the air with birds. And then he creates, in the beginning of the sixth day, this whole entire animal world as he speaks it into existence. Every creeping and crawling and running thing that's on this earth that we so dearly love to watch and see. God wasn't done, though. <laughs> and what's marvelous about this is he, he saves his best for last. He's creating an earth ready for something. And it isn't hard to study that and see he's preparing it for something. There's, there's something more coming. 
He's filled it and it's glorious and it's, it's no sin has tainted it and yet there's one more thing that he wants on this earth and that's mankind. And he puts man there. And he had prepared this place and he had in mind all. He wasn't making this up as he went along. This was the plan the triune God laid down long before the foundations of the world was to create this world and put those who would bear his image, both male and female, in it. So it was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working together to lay down this great plan and fulfill it and put it out there so you and I could do what he's asked us to do. And he planned our earth to be our home. That's pretty cool. Remember when you got married? Remember your first home, apartment, trailer, whatever it might have been? (laughs) Um, You got that ready, didn't you? And you brought her home. Well, our God was creating something so great, so glorious. And he brought us home and he put us here and he created us and made us and, and breathed life into us. But he said it was not good for Adam to be alone. You know the text, Genesis chapter 2. It is not good for him to be alone. He, he knew that this was not going to display his glory fully if he left him alone. Do you understand that? He wanted to magnify his glory. And so he gave him a helpmate, a wife. That is not a lesser word. That word actually in the Hebrews is often used of God. He is our helper (laughs) and our strength. So many people want to pick on that stuff and they don't study the Bible out enough to know that's a great word for women. That's That's a word of great strength. It reflects God in so many ways. It is not a lesser role. It's a different role. And so God, in his sovereignty, creates the sexes. He designs them, according to verse 27, male and female. And he puts them on this earth. He needs nobody to counsel him. He seeks no advice. He does exactly what the triune God had planned from the beginning. And there's man. Verse 27 teaches us, in our notes that God created women display a uniqueness of his image. A uniqueness of his image. Notice the verse. God created man. Mankind, you could put there, would be the Hebrew word, in his own image. There's a reflection there. The image of God. And he created him male and female. And he created them. There's a plurality to them. They're unique. They're, they're different. And so God brought them along. This is not what the world believes, though. Again, searching a few websites and a few quotes friends sent me along the way, this one stumbles you a little bit. The feminist revolution had to be fought because women, quite simply, were stopping at, listen to this, at the state state of evolution far short than human capacity. See, this is a rejection that a woman may choose to stay at home, to love her husband, to care for her children. To them, they look at that as the stopping of the evolutional process. Yet, God gave such an incredible role. 
And the God had chose this. Eve, I've created you, I've breathed life into you to be a helpmate, to reflect the, the, the relationship between God and man in some areas, right? God is our helper and our strength. So if God created mankind only to reflect himself strictly through the male role, we would not have a complete view. It takes both male and female to rightly bear the image of God. Thank the Lord for moms and for women. Now, if you think about that, and, and this isn't totally refined in every case because God does create even males and females uniquely in their, in their makeup and who they are. But generally speaking, men reflect the leadership and strength and provider and protector of, that God has laid down. That's a wonderful role. I, I think many men advocate that role now. They come home and grab a clicker and, and fail to pray with their wives and lead their wives and get them to church and care for them. And, uh, and that's, that's a problem. It's a strong problem within, our church, within the church uh, at large. But yet that's what God does. He leads us and cares for us and we see that in that. And yet women often show a, an imagery of God that's incredible. It's not that we don't call men beautiful, but it might be a little strange. But we do see women as the beauty of God. Beauty fits the role of a woman. She, she is endowed with beauty, and she reflects the beauty of her creator. She's often noted for her gentleness. I remember Gina teaching the boys when they were little the fruit of the Spirit. And, and she, I came in one day from the ranch, probably covered with who knows what. And she goes, hey, I'm trying to teach the boys gentleness. Oh, hmm. (laughs) Coming from a male, those are sometimes a little more difficult, right? How to think through that meekness, gentleness. What does that look like? Oh, a woman's touch is so much more gentle. I've kind of got to where I want to go to a hygienist that's a a female and (laughs) those type of things, right? They're they're more gentle. They reflect that of God, that God has a gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit says that God is gentle. We are supposed to have that about us. And so God designed women with gentleness. He designed them with incredible discernment. The world calls it women's what? Intuition, huh? Now, that can be tainted by sin, right? We've got to be careful with those things. And yet, and yet women often have discernment in areas that, that are extraordinary. They'll feel things in their bones, and you go, well, what are you feeling? <laughs> and yet sometimes they're right, if not many times. They have discernment to things, and that reflects God who discerned all things. They're compassionate. I don't know about your home. Boys went down on the ranch with a bloody knee, right by dad and right over to mom. There's a compassion there. It's built into women. They're compassionate. And that's what we see. We see that over and over as we're going through our study in Mark. Compassion, compassion. They're nurturing. God loves us. He said, oh, to Israel, if you would have only repented, I would have taken you and brought you under my wing. What an incredible uh, term of, of compassion and gentleness and nurturing. And yet you see so often, if you were to go down the hall and see the children down the hall and see uh, moms in the nursing room, the gentleness and nurturing that a mom has. It reflects the character of God in so many ways. And this is one of the greatest reasons why God designed marriage. And the oneness of marriage shared between a man and a woman 
joined in a biblical relationship will glorify God to the utmost. He wants both those roles to magnify him. And he says, look, what I've put together, don't let anybody put apart. I warn many people who are seeking divorce and seeking to leave their spouse. I said, I just want to read you one verse before you make this decision. Whatever God has joined together, Jesus himself said, let no man separate. I want you to hear that before you go out. It's important to him. We reflect the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has, has a plan with the unseen part of woman too, right? He, he gives her um, a reflection of him. Notice the Bible said that he creates us in the image of him, in his image bearer. So we're image bearers. Well, what does that look like? Well, be, God creates women with an intellect. He gave them a great mind. He planned to, to make women to have a mind and a strong ability to know God and to think like God and to reason like God. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, I had started DTP, our discipleship program that we run here as well, and, and I was teaching the men, and finally a group of ladies said, hey, <laughs> when do we get a class? And so we rewrote DTP and, and, and wrote it from a biblical perspective of women, and, and it's just amazing how they consume theology, how they love truth, and it starts to mold their life, and they start to, to, to pursue the things of God, and they start to have joy in their life because they're knowing him, because God made them that way. He made them with a reflection of him. God has a mind. God has intellect, and so we reflect him as his image bearers, and here particularly on this day, we see the intellect that God blessed women with. God wanted to be able to communicate with them. Not only just by the spoken word, but he communicates through the written word. So women often are found early in the mornings in times of quiet with their Bibles open, gleaming, understanding the greatness of their God. What a beautiful worship that is to him. David said in one psalm, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. This is what God did. See, God created women with emotions. <laughs> Some of the people are going, yeah, they did. <laughs> but this is an amazing fact. I want you to sit down and think about this for a minute. Certainly our emotions can be affected and have been affected by sin and they can be derailed, all of us, right? But, but emotions are, are very necessary and very helpful for knowing God. The Bible clearly expresses that God has emotions, He's compassionate, he's tender, he's angry at injustice. We see that in the scriptures. He's compassionate and tender, he's, he's, he's there always showing his emotions. We see them as we read the scriptures. The Bible says he loves things, he hates things, he feels sadness. But he also experiences great joy and happiness. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. It's, it's a hallmark uh, attribute of God, no greater than the rest of his attributes, but he is known humanly. We, we first and recognize his love, don't we? Proverbs 6 says there are six things, yea, seven that God, what? Hates. John eleven thirty five. 35, we see Jesus weep over the fact that people did not know who he was and what he was about to do is he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Jeremiah 9, 24 says, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that we understand 
and we know him. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness on the earth. For these things I delight, declares the Lord. He, he practices love. I have to practice in certain things because I'm not very good at those things. But the Bible says he practices that. He puts that on display. He, he loves and he's gentle and he's, he's full of justice. And you go, well, i got all kinds of injustice going on. He's seeing every bit of it. And there will be no sin that was not covered by the blood of Christ that will not be judged fully. He's practicing those great emotions that we see. And because God has feelings and emotions, he decided to create people that way. And we see that come out of women. I think that's one of the things we enjoy so much about a good mother. Is she reflects God in this love that she has. It's more natural, it seems to her, it shouldn't be, but, but it seems more natural that they love in a way. If the world was just full of no gender, as some of these I've read to you want, how will this get displayed? See, God designed you ladies to show people who he is you resemble the love of God you go, well how do I do that moms lay down their life for children but mom in here would not give her life for her child you would do that wouldn't you in a moment's notice you would not hesitate would you and yet our father in heaven sent his own son and, and, and actually in a sense had to pull from him as he was judged for all of our sins. It is one of the greatest demonstrations of love towards a sinful mankind that you can, you can ever, ever illustrate. And who would know that better than God? And who would reflect that better than a mom? In so many cases, Jesus hanging on the cross, John, your mother, mother, your, your son, always concerned about her, always seeing that she had something to exemplify in front of the world. D, God created women with a will. Created with them a will. Besides giving women intellect and emotions, God gave them a will. As seen in the creative order, God exercised his will as he chose when and what and how to create the universe. So God made people, particularly women as we speak of them today, with the ability to make decisions. Now, we know that the will was corrupted after the fall, and so our wills are tainted with sin, and that's why we cannot will ourselves to God. We need a supernatural work. But yet we do have a will, and he made us distinct from the animal world. And though your dog is fun, and, and you may think he has a lot of emotions, he by nature has been, been created, and he's dominated by instinct. That's what animals do, but not women, not men. Not the sexes that God did. He gave her reason and, and gave her ability to make logical decisions. And even under the fall, she makes choices. And she could go astray, but God loves her. And so many of you ladies know the love of God who drew you back in and found you wandering. And yet, he allows you to make decisions. Think of places like Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now you must put away all these things. You go through anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. See then that you put off the old self. And then he says, put on the new self, which is being renewed after the image of your creator. 
Wow. And so God gave you intellect. He gave you emotions. And he gave you a will to obey God. And so she's created in the image of God. She has a mind to hear and understand, to communicate with her God. She thinks of him. She loves him. She, she speaks of him. She reads of him. She desires, the biblical woman desires to reflect the character of God. Well, second thought today, what about biblical motherhood? How do they display the characteristics and glories of God? Well, number two, biblical womanhood display the wisdom of God. Let me take you to that passage that uh, by read in Proverbs 31, certainly a classic passage for a Mother's Day or for women who want to study what God has for them. But even as I was putting this together and thinking through that, there's, there's a hesitancy in, in the world today or even in the pulpit today to try to teach on some of this. And, and sometimes we're hesitant because there's probably moms in here that can't have children. Or, or, or maybe not their own fault or someone who has sinfully behaved against them has, they're not, can't have children for some way. They've left them or, or something. And so it's sometimes it's hard to preach on moms. Or maybe there's those that are in this room who've never heard this before or actually believe differently than what the Bible says. And so I think sometimes it's hard to preach these things. Sometimes there's moms who want to be uh, in a position where they can display this, but husbands who, who possibly don't love the Lord push them into places of work or somewhere where, where they can't do what they desire to do. It's, that's, that's evident at times. And so sometimes it's risky to preach some of these things. But the Bible's clear here, and I want you to look at Psalms 31, because moms are really cool. And, and even more importantly, God created motherhood. And throughout the scriptures, God uses moms to exalt his glory. And there's many, there's many um, uh, examples of that, but I thought we'd go to one that we would know. But I want to take you to verse 1 here and listen to this inspired mom as her instructions are recorded in God's word. Look at verse 1, because you've got to think about this. Sometimes we skip this stuff because we don't know who this is. The words of King Lemuel, Lemuel, Lemuel is the Hebrew pronunciation of it. Lemuel, the oracles which his mom, his mother, taught him. Uh-oh, we got mom's words here. And, and I, I, I pulled everything I had off the shelf trying to figure out who this king was. Um, most guys believe that it possibly, it's a really good chance, it's King Solomon, and this is Bathsheba's pet name for him in some way. We can't find this guy anywhere in history. He doesn't exist. <laughs> So it could possibly be King Solomon, this is possible, and these are Bathsheba's words to her son, recorded for us to hear inspired words of a mother to a son. I think they're worth looking at for a minute. Listen with me. Verse 2, what, O oh, oh my son, and what, O oh my womb, and what, O oh my vows? This is passionate, Right? My son, you came from my womb. These are part of my vows to God. And then she gives him some, some good guidance. Mothers never stop guiding your children. And, and moms, you have the right, even as adult children, to speak into our lives. <laughs> and here, uh, if this is Bathsheba, look what she says. Verse 3, do not give your strength to a woman. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's warning against godless women. I don't think Solomon listened. <laughs> 
But he's warning of the trap, right? The trap that can come from pursuing uh, inappropriate relationships or your ways to that which destroy kings. Foolishness, greed, jealousy, anger. This would maybe a description of King Saul here. Maybe she witnessed that. It is not for kings, O Lamel. It is not for kings to drink wine or, or for rulers to desire strong drink. Well, what is she saying there? She's saying, look, don't, don't be, be controlled. Don't, don't give yourself away to things that won't control you. This is mom talking here. This is good things. Mom, you've ever said these things to your kids? Hey, be careful of the bottle. You'll do stupid things. <laughs> you should say that, mom. <laughs> this is wise here coming from this person's mom. Verse 4 excuse me, verse 5, for they drink and forget what is decreed. Well, what's decreed is to rule justly and righteously. And they pervert the rights of all the afflicted. They don't see the, the injustice done to wicked because they're now consuming things that pull them away and their, their view of things have, is obscured. Verse 6, give strong drink to him who is perishing. Use it properly. <laughs> Um, at the end of your life, you, sh you know, you should have a painkiller or two to go through it, right? That's what she's saying. This is the way it is to be used. Wine to him whose life is bitter. Now she brings in somebody else. Wine to the person whose sin has overtaken them. And is that, that what happens? And there's Bible's clear. We're not preaching against drinking here at all. But we are telling a, a mom's truth of where drinking in sinful ways will take you. And he's warning her, warning him, wine to him whose life is bitter. Why is it bitter? Because of sin. And so people drink because they don't want to deal with the, the consequences of sin, don't they? And so the bottle becomes a way to escape and she's warning him of this. Verse seven, let him drink and forget his, pro his property, uh, poverty and, and remember his troubles no more. That's the only way to deal with sin, right? She's, she's telling them this. Verse 8, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of the unfortunate. Instead of being that, speak for those who cannot speak. Man, what a great verse for uh, against abortion. For the euthanasia of, of older people or disabled people. Or, or those who are just suppressed, speak for them. Mom goes on to say in verse 9, open your mouth, judge righteously. Use your mouth and your position for grace and mercy. Defend and the rights of the afflicted and needy. What a, great, what a great mom. Isn't that good stuff? But she doesn't leave off there, and here's the verse I'm after. Look at verse 10 and 11. She tells him, an excellent wife who can find. That's an interesting question. <laughs> Maybe because it's difficult. Maybe because in his position, it would have been difficult. He's well-known. He, if, he, if it is King Solomon, his position, or future king, um, it's difficult. Do they want him for his money? <laughs> what do they want from him? And so she says, look, an excellence. The word excellence is an interesting word. We actually can get the Hebrew word for armies from this. And so this is a strong woman spiritually wealthy woman who can find she's rare in fact in fact she goes on to explain it a little more for her worth is far above jewels she's priceless she's priceless that's why we encourage young ladies to grow and love the lord jesus christ we encourage young men love the lord he'll direct you to one of these gals 
They're precious. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts her. She's, she is so valuable. Her wisdom, um, her understanding is, is valuable and you trust them. And then he says, and he will have no lack of gain. Wow, isn't that true? Having a godly woman, a, a, a mom in your house, a, a woman in your house who loves the Lord and loves her husband, what greater gain can a man ever ask for? And then, of course, you know the rest of this. She goes on, this woman's incredible. She's, you go, well, you know, this isn't some, you know, hide behind the skirt, wipe your feet on the doorstep gal. This, this gal's, uh, she's farming, she's, she's uh, doing real estate, she's, she's doing all kinds of things. As you look at what she has, she's up before her children, she, she works hard, she prepares. She, this woman is absolutely, biblically gorgeous. And then, the result of all that follows down to verse 28, what happens. And this is what today is, one day we would recognize this, her children rise up and bless her. Blessings, Gina. Blessings, moms. Well done. Well done. Her husband also praises her. See, this, this causes a, a, a stand-up moment. They're to be honored. They're, they're not a doorstep. They're, they're not to be abused. They're to be loved and listened to and understand that God has presented His glory to you through her. Husbands fail to recognize this at times and selfishness takes over and the love grows cold and marriages begin to crumble. Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. God is excellent reflected in this biblical womanhood. And, and then one last warning as she closes this thought out to her son. She says, charm and deceit is beautiful. Uh, char- uh, excuse me. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, meaning all of that will pass in time. But a woman who fears, the idea is worship here. This isn't a afraid like we would think, but an but a awe, a reverence of the Lord. She shall be praised. Women, praise the Lord. Fear the Lord. Awesome is he. And those around you will rise up and call you blessed. Last one, the church needs biblical women. And go to Titus chapter 2 with me. And I just want to briefly just skate through this. And I just want to point out how this Titus 2 woman reflects the glory of God. The church needs biblical motherhood. Needs biblical womanhood. The church needs this. And you have such a vital role, moms and women in our church, to show us the character of God through your life. Titus chapter 2, 3 through 5 says, Older women likewise be, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malice gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands and here's the greatest statement in this so that the word of God will not be dishonored not be blasphemed what a reflection notice in verse 3 the woman is to be reverent that word has overtones of holiness to it when a woman is reverent that doesn't mean um, 
shy and quiet and won't speak. That's not what I was talking about. It's, it's an awe of God. There's, a, there's an era about her where she desires to walk with God. She desires to confess sin and be right with Him. That, that reflects the holiness of God. Not malice gossips. Notice the, the next one there. Well, she, she's not that way. She loves truth. Gossip is not about truth. It's in most cases, it's about destroying somebody. She's not that. She, she loves truth. She loves to build things up, not tear things down. She is full of truth. She's not enslaved to wine, meaning not influenced by so many things that take away her discernment. She's not dependent on those things. God is independent, isn't he? That's a characteristic we talk about God. He's independent. He doesn't need anything. He didn't need us. He didn't need the universe. He didn't need anything. He's independent of it. And yet here the Bible says, ladies, you show, you reflect me by not being uh, uh, tied or enslaved to something. And that's a trouble today, isn't it? And so, yeah, she can do that. What a beautiful teaching. And then he says, teaching what is good. David wrote in Psalms 27, 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. Oh, ladies, thank you for showing us goodness. I'm so thankful for my mom. My mom was a good woman. She is a good woman. She's still alive. Sorry. <laughs> She's a good woman. She lives on the West Coast. So I don't see her as much, but... She's a good woman. And I understood the goodness of God through her. That's what you do, ladies. When you're good, right in the eyes of God, when you love the goodness of the Lord, you reflect God's goodness to us. Verse 4, notice it. here it says, um, so that they may encourage younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. This is a love for her family, and God loves the family. So love what God loves. Yeah, family's difficult. And some of our moms in here, and you got a bunch of little knee hires running around chewing on your ankles. You know, it gets wild in that time. Uh, but then they turn into junior hires, and they know everything. And then they turn into senior hires, and it's like you're not even around. And then they go off, and they know everything because they go to university or do something like that. And then someday they come back. <laughs> and they say, Mom, how'd you do it? How did you manage everything? How'd you... How did you provide, care, feed, love, forgive? How did you do that? And so the Bible says, godly women, teach younger women this. Teach what I love. I love the family. I designed it. It's mine. Teach those things. Teach, teach others to understand that. And then verse 5, he goes on to say, Be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be blasphemed. This word sensible is sometimes translated self-control, but it's a different word than we see in the fruit of the Spirit or anything like that. It, it, it more has the idea of a healthy mind. Have a healthy mind. Women with healthy minds think clearly. They, they can understand the scriptures. They can, they can understand the struggles that their husbands or children go through and still be able to hold tasks and love the Lord and go through that healthy mind. And you go, why? How can I do this? Well, the Bible says, well, who can know the mind of the Lord that will instruct him? It's kind of a question in 1 Corinthians 2.16. But then it states this, but we have the mind of Christ. You know why moms are so special? Especially godly moms. Is because they have the mind of Christ. They picture Christ. They'll lay their lives down. 
They always want us to know the good news, the gospel. That's, that's what they'll do, and their minds have become a mind, they have a mind of Christ. They've, they've grown in that. Romans 12 says that you're, you're always growing in, in, in your, your mind. You're trying to change and transform the mind. Oh, have a healthy mind, ladies. It reflects God. Pure, what a neat word here. That reflects the personal character of God. Pure. And you go, well, Scott, I'm a sinner. and Yeah, we all are. But we're, we're perfectly forgiven. And we can be perfectly right with our Lord. And we can choose to do things that are pure before the Lord. And that reflects the character of God. Workers at home. Well, don't be mad at this. God designed the home structure. And really what I teach this is this is a worshipful balance. This is a worshipful balance. The ladies come, can I work outside the home? Absolutely. I don't think the Bible teaches against that, but can you balance the home in worship? Or is it always a battle? Balance the home in worship. Uh, love God and through loving your home. But that's not the world teaches. A woman named Betty Frieden wrote this. <laughs> she said, Woman, women who adjust as housewives, in quote, adjust as housewives, who grow up wanting to be just a housewife, are as, are as in danger, now listen to this, this is, this is very scary, are as in danger as much as the millions who walked on their own death to the concentration camps. It's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Ladies, God has a home. It's called heaven, and he keeps it. And he prepares it for his children to come home to. It is a noble calling, and whether you're full-time in their home or part-time working or full-time working, whatever it is, your home reflects heaven. <laughs> you go, uh-oh, you haven't been in mine lately. <laughs> I'm talking spiritually here. People come into your home. Do they get a little slice of heaven? Is there hospitality and love and generous? Do you open your home? Do you want to host a community group and have people come in and teach and reach neighbors? I mean, it is a little slice of heaven. And that's what he's after. He's not, he's not, this is not against a woman who, who, like the Proverbs 31 woman, can sell real estate and, and farm and trade flax and flour and all the things she's doing in that. She's an amazing lady. That's not what this is against. But, it's against, but it, what is it against is the rejection that the home is the priority of a woman's worship. Let it be a place where when someone comes, they get a slice of heaven. One more quote that's very sad. This comes from... Vivian Gordnick says, being a housewife is an illegitimate profession. The choice to serve and to protect and plan towards being a family homemaker is a choice that shouldn't be. The heart of radical feminism is to change all of that. I don't think they're happy with this message. That's what we're against. That's, what's, that's where the world's going. This isn't new, though. This isn't new. Battled, battled this in Corinth. They battled this in Titus's time on the island of Crete. They battled this all through the New Testament. They battled through the Old Testament because all of us, male or female, we all are prone to wander. We're all prone to go the way we want to go and we lose our joy. We, we, we look at the bad and everything. We, we start going down wrong roads because we choose not to obey him in these areas. 
And yet, God loves us. Just a few more here. They're so beautiful. It says kind. <laughs> moms, moms and women reflect the kindness of God. Romans 2, 4 says, don't you know that the kindness of God led you to repentance? Many times the kindness of my wife has led me to repentance. Did not revile when she was reviled. Was not returning threat when she was threatened. That quiet spirit that loves the Lord and though she may be battling inside brings this man to repentance. Many of you men nod your head as I look out there because you know how kind they are. They're reflecting God to you at that moment. <laughs> Don't miss it. God is showing himself through your wife when you are living in sin. He's showing himself through your wife to repent and turn. What a powerful, powerful medium that is, ladies. That's 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 6, ladies. Submission, this is the dirty word, right? This, you want to get a feminist mad, you just use that term. But the Bible says, being subject to hupatasso to their own husbands, lining their affairs up underneath him. So that's not fair. Tell that to Jesus. When you see him, tell him that. Because the greatest submission, act of submission that's ever happened was Christ laid down his glory and submitted to his Father's will and gave up his own life while his Father judged him for our sins. Ladies, there's no greater example of submission than the Lord Jesus Christ. And it shows us his beauty. It shows us his glory. And ultimately, the verse closes with this, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. We get our word blaspheme, Greek word from that blasphemed. You Greek students, that's so that. That henna clause is saying this is the result of this. When women, biblical women, biblical mothers, live this way, they protect the authority of God's word in a sense. What a role. And I want to say, I want to speak from the elders, we are so grateful for the women of this church. You encourage us. You strengthen us. Even now we are working on new women's ministries and wanting to create more uh, to give opportunity to allow your gifts and the reflection of God's glory to shine even more. And we look forward to what God is doing. The church's job now is to celebrate biblical womanhood, biblical motherhood. We're to celebrate that this beauty and glory of God should and always be on display. Remember the gospel's at stake here. This is, this is what it's about. Husbands represent Christ. The wife represents the church. There's a gospel pictured there. Men, be happy in your role. Women, be happy in your role. If you don't, I know there's struggles. Ask God for it. You have not because you ask not. He'll give you the wisdom to be joyful. He'll give you the wisdom to look at things in a different light. Ask him. And remember most of all, this is an attack against God. This is an attack against God that's going on. So don't be ashamed of the gospel role that God's given you. We love you moms and women in this church. You're precious to us. Keep serving the Lord. Father, what a joy to talk on biblical motherhood and biblical womanhood. This is something that's going away in so many, Lord, not, not just in our culture, in our nation, but it's going away in our churches. And Lord, I can only imagine, knowing that you are a God of emotions, how that makes you feel. 
You laid down the biblical role for family. And man now is changing your words. Trying to tell you what you should believe, God. So we're sorry for that, Lord. But we here, River Bend Community Church, people who love the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, we want to strive to exalt you and show your glory through our roles. So we ask this morning that you would help us, help men to picture Christ and women to picture the church, that beautiful picture of Christ and His bride. Help us, Lord. Help us deny self. Help us say no to sin. And may you reflect yourself through both of us. But today, Lord, we thank you for the women of our church. Bless them today. May it be a great day. Those whose hearts are heavy, some have recently lost their moms. Give them strength, Lord. Pray for those who, who, who um, maybe did not have the relationship with their mom that the scriptures speak about. Cause them to be the example now. Show that they can do what maybe their mother wasn't able. And so strengthen them. For those moms in here who are walking with the Lord, praise the Lord for them. Give them strength. May they continue to be examples to us. In Jesus' name, amen.